This is Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health, your home for common sense science-based health care. Here's your host, Dr. T.J. Williams. And welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. T.J., and with me, as always, is Aaron. Hi. <laughs> there was a little pause and some excitement. You normally look Hi. at me, like, Hi. look at me in point, and you didn't, so I just jumped in. That, that was good. That was good. So today on the show, um, we are going to talk about things that you can do to optimize your brain for better cognitive performance. So basically, big fancy words for make your brain work better. Right? right. Lots of people come to us with all kinds of different complaints, problems, etc. But there's almost an a universal underlying complaint, and that is brain fog or loss of words or however they're they're trying to describe it. Well, it's and a the, lot of it similar. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, people come in with complaints or it's something that after we end up working with them, they are like, oh, my God, my brain works so much better. Right. right? I mean, they can tell a huge difference. So in general, people, you know, can tell that, OK, brain function is going down like they're having trouble remembering things or whatever it happens to be. Um, we've talked a lot on the show about the fact that so many people attribute that to age. Just well, I'm getting older. Oh my or, gosh! Well, I yes. mean, and and even before they just, you know, they're getting later in life. They're thinking, okay, well, I've got little kids, or I'm getting, you know, they they attribute it to all these different things. And while, you know, there could be some lifestyle causes uh, to it, there are so many things that you can do to improve your cognitive performance. There are, there are a lot of things that you can do. And another thing that that I find intriguing or interesting or or what have you is. Watching people who you know, we see we see patients of all all types. People stay at home moms, all the way up to high powered business executives and everything in between. And it doesn't matter loss of brain function or loss of you know memory or anything like that. They realize the 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 high performers. They're like, I'm not as sharp. I can't think as fast. I'm not as quick on my feet. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not whatever. I'm. It's harder for me to you know trade stocks. I don't see trends. I don't do this. I don't do that. Something. They're noticing this stuff, and it's very small decreases that they're noticing. And then the same thing is true for you know stay at home moms. A completely different end of the spectrum of things as far as like you know yeah maybe they're not dealing with with you know making really split-second decisions, but there's a lot of decisions every day that have to be made. Well, okay, and I I 100% disagree. (laughs) They're two opposite ends of the spectrum for what it's worth because I think that stay-at-home moms and high-powered executives are two— One and the same. I mean, they're two, um, you know— Choices, you know, I mean, that you're going through life and you're having to make split second decisions. I mean, and so I think that there are a lot of different professions we could, you know, we could pick anything, pick on. But I mean, those are two that I think, uh, you know, you're both of them have decisions that are having a huge impact and you've got to be on your feet. So I do think, you know, you're going to notice it really quickly if you're not at, you know, your best. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, all I was the point I was trying to make is it doesn't matter what you're doing. You notice declines mentally and it doesn't take a lot. Now, some people 
like you said before, they blow this stuff off. They say, well, it's, you know, it's getting older. I'm just, it's, I'm aging. It's no big deal. Yeah. And we see that a ton with people who are in retirement and come to see us, right? Yes. I mean, because they're not having to, you know, they don't generally have as many day-to-day things that they're worried about, but they're thinking, okay, is that why? my brain is not functioning as I don't feel as sharp as I used to. Is it just old age? And you kind of let that go because you do think, okay, well, I'm getting older and that's just how it's going to be. But there's so much we can do to improve it. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. So basically we, we demand a lot out of our brain and, and out of our, our, our mind on a daily basis. I mean, we, we, have all these complex decisions that we have to make. We are reading every day. We're writing every day. We're learning on a daily basis. Every day we're learning something. And, and people that tell you, oh, I didn't learn anything today, they're they're lying to you. They just, they learned, right? It's just constant work that your brain is doing. Not to mention all of the the subconscious things that your brain is is regulating, like monitoring levels of hormones and making sure that you know your heart pumps and doing all of these things that you're you're supposed to be doing. But once we explain to people that this isn't just a product of getting older, right? That there are things that you can do to improve this function. They start to feel like, okay, I have some control, right? There's this loss of control when your brain's not functioning. There's this massive loss of control, and it's it it turns into a loss of hope. I just had a, a lady in the office earlier this last week, and I she, she she was going on about how she was tired. She just didn't feel the same. She had some foggy thinking, and I I looked at her and I used I used the words. I said, I don't I don't mean to offend you, but this is you're beaten down. She's like, yeah, I can't make decisions. I don't know what to eat. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, yeah, we we can work with that. We can help you regain control. And then it's just talking about these are the things that we want to do to figure out what's going on with you, to, to instill hope, to let you know that, yeah, you can actually turn this stuff around. So what we want to do today is we want to talk about some things that you can do utilizing some very specific steps to improve your brain's function, right? So... The first thing that we step into when we're when we're dealing with with brain function is we go right to the gut, right? The there is a lot of information out there that indicates that the gut and the brain are very intimately linked. If you have gut dysfunction, you have brain dysfunction. If you have brain dysfunction, you have gut dysfunction. And there's a lot of research that's coming out. It's just there's more and more research coming out on a daily basis that's basically saying that our gut bacteria play a massive role in shaping the function and the health, the overall health of our brain, right? So this is referred to um, as the gut-brain axis. And this has to do – the gut and the brain are intimately linked embryologically when we – when we are, our cells are dividing and we're, you know, we're growing – the, the brain and, and the gut were, are basically hooked together, and then they maintain a connection. And the connection that they maintain is through the vagus nerve. It's a big, big nerve that goes from the brain down into the gut. And so there's, there's a lot of, of communication between the two. I mean, we have this thing called the enteric nervous system. There's all these bacteria in the gut that, that communicate. And what happens 
is because these two are connected, because of this gut-brain axis, there are metabolites from bacteria that travel from the gut to the brain, and that's how they can start to impact cognitive function. Right? We're, we're, our bugs in our gut can get to our brain via this thing. And we know this. There's this, there's this substance out there. It's, it's really starting to catch hold in, in the functional medicine realm. The, anybody that's a functional medicine practitioner is, has heard of, talked about, discussed this, this substance called lipopolysaccharide. And lipopolysaccharide is this – it's a pretty good-sized molecule. It's a large molecule. It's made by very specific gram-negative bacteria. Um, and they have this very unique outer membrane, right, this outer covering of the bacteria itself. And this lipopolysaccharide has been found to travel from the gut to the brain. And when it gets into the brain, it actually accumulates in neurons, the, the cells of the brain, and it impairs the function of those neurons, right? So – this is this is very problematic for for people, and so we want to do things that we can, you know, bind up and get rid of these lipopolysaccharides, so we don't these things aren't around to travel to our brain. So we end up with these pathogenic and opportunistic bacteria that produce neurotoxic metabolites, and these are things like uh, I'm I'm kind of getting into the weeds here, but things like delactic acid and ammonia, and these neurotransmitters that are identical to those that are that we are created by our own bodies which also influence the brain function right so then we've got these gut bacteria that stimulate the the manufacture of these things called cytokines pro-inflammatory cytokines so it, basically cytokines are these these molecules and and substances that help our our cells of our body communicate with each other. It's how our cells talk to each other. And we have cytokines that are pro-inflammatory, which cause more inflammation and cause more damage and cause more problems. And then we have these that are anti-inflammatory that help to put the fire out. Well, these harmful gut microbes can stimulate production of pro-inflammatory cytokines. And when they do that, they change the integrity of our blood-brain barrier. Now we've we've opened up the floodgates to allow things across into our brain, and that too can cause brain function to decline. So that was a lot. I just I just I just, I just hit them with the heavy stuff <laughs> right at the beginning. That's pretty crazy. So I mean, it's a lot to it's a lot to process and understand. But that right there, what I just went through. In that in this first segment has been the the underlying mechanism of how not having proper gut function and not having microbes in balance affects brain function. Right. And if you if you're interested in this, um, you know, uh, Dr. Mark Hyman has done a lot of research um, on the gut brain connection. I know he's got a lot of information out there. It really started with um, him looking into the brain uh, gut connection as far as its role into um, emotional uh, problems, depression, anxiety, yeah. things like that. But um, it makes sense then that it's carried over now into general cognitive performance, right? Because if the gut can affect the brain, it can affect the brain in all sorts of ways. Um, you know, and so that results not only in um, difficult emotional processing, but also your cognitive performance. Yeah. All right. We got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about this gut brain axis and how this has an effect on cognitive function. You're listening to Wellness 101. 
And welcome back to the show, everyone. So today on the show, we are talking about um, brain function and cognitive function. And and uh, before the break, we were talking about how the gut-brain connection works and how it happens and these things that can do. I kind of got deep. I got off into the weeds a little bit on what's really going on there. So it's actually great information. Go back and listen to it. I'll, I'll try not to rehash that. Um, right. Some of you will care and some of you really yeah, will care. Some of you will not. And you're just like, okay, tell me what I need to do. Right? Yeah, yeah. Skip ahead. Skip ahead. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so we we I talked about this stuff called lipopolysaccharide and I went through lipopolysaccharide. But what I really want to get into is is there is quite a bit of evidence out there that shows that there's a dem- it's demonstrating that there is a this very intimate relationship between gut and cognitive function. So if the gut is dysfunctional, the brain is dysfunctional and vice versa. So there's a the, there's a term out there it's called intestinal dysbiosis. The that is the medical term for leaky gut. Everybody's heard about leaky gut, talks about leaky gut, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, intestinal dysbiosis is is the actual medical term for this. And it's basically been shown repeatedly to be an underlying cause of dementia. So what's very interesting when we do very specific testing on patients that have dementia or on people that have dementia, rather, we find that they have low levels of very specific beneficial bacteria in the gut, specifically lactobacillus and bifidobacteria species of gut bacteria. I can't tell you. We do tons of stool testing in our office. We do stool testing a lot because a lot of people have brain fog, and we're like, okay, well, we've got to we've got to figure out what in the world's going on, what's happening, and you would be amazed at the number of people who have no growth of Lactobacillus or Bifidobacteria species in their gut. This is a big problem. They don't even have it, right? We're they're completely missing entire species of gut bacteria. This is a problem. So what's very interesting is we start putting those good bacteria back in um, the the cognitive function, the the operation of that person starts to improve. And they're like, well, I don't I don't understand. It doesn't seem like we're really doing much. I'm like, we're doing so much for you and for your specific case. And it's just it's very interesting. It's very fun to explain to people. Look, you know, this is this is what's this is what you've had happen. Um, antibiotics play a huge role in that, um, and we may we may get into some talk about antibiotics later. But they just they kill the bad bacteria that are that may be in there, but they destroy the good too. And when you're just just knocking out entire species of bacteria, that's a that's a big problem. So when uh, and a lot of people, I get this question: When does when when does this stuff matter? When does it start to matter? Like, people have kids, and like, what do I do about my child? And and making sure that their gut back. This stuff happens from birth, literally from birth. That's how we start to develop our uh, my gut microbiome. Right? It starts at birth. Maybe even a little before birth, right? So there's a lot of research out there now that's that's coming out and about that's showing that the the microbial comp- uh, composition of an infant GI tract influences their cognition, right? So the 
the more advanced children, it's possible that they have a better gut microbiome. Right. That's what we're that's basically what we're doing They're They've done the studies that they've done on this. They're actually using structural MRIs that they've done on kids at, at age one and age two to, to show this. And there are very specific um, uh, bacteria in the gut um, that that having high levels of this stuff showed a higher cognitive performance than people than kids that had a lower levels. This, this stuff called bacteroides. I know most of you don't care, but. What they what was really interesting was that infants that were born vaginally have a higher level of these things than infants born through C-section. Now, we were always taught, I was always taught in school that having a natural birth allows for the passing or the sharing of bacteria from the vaginal tract to the baby. That may or may not be what's going on. I don't know specifically. I mean, I'm just sitting here being honest. I don't know that that happens or, or whether it does or whether it doesn't. But something makes a difference because they're actually seeing through research and through MRI that there are different levels of these bacteria in people and babies born via C-section versus versus naturally. And so one of the things that is really important for babies is making sure that a mama's microbiome is at optimal performance while she's carrying the child, right? That's one of the things that we do as part of our preconception stuff. So when women come to us and they're like, okay, I really want to you know, talk about being as healthy as I possibly can because I want to get pregnant. My next question is, when do you want to get pregnant? When are you going to try? And if they tell me a month, I'm like, well, there's not a lot I'm going to be able to, we're going to be able and to do in a month. a lot of times it's very quickly you know i mean usually uh, i mean and so we really try to stress on here come in as early as possible if you know that you want to have children because we give can it do a so year. much more for you if we have some time it we need a year right if we really want to get you optimized give us a year yeah not right? that you shouldn't come in beforehand if it's closer because i mean we can still make a difference but you know the best uh job that we can do is if we have a little bit of time. So that that's one of the things that we took a, uh, with our little guy. We took a lot of, you know, precaution. There, he was he was breech. He was a C-section baby. There was nothing we could do about right. it. Right. And I wanted to stress that because I think, you know, we know and, and we knew going into it. I mean, we wanted this to be a vaginal birth. We knew the benefits of a vaginal birth. But that's not always an option. What and it an wasn't. Option. I mean, the the number one priority is getting the baby out safely, right? I mean, and so you do what you have to do. But it's just this is really good to be aware of if you are having children, because then there are more things that you'll need to do after the birth to make sure that the uh, child's microbiome is optimized. Yeah. So some of the things that we did very, I mean, while we were still in the hospital, I'm I had our little probiotic bottle there um, that we utilized. We had colostrum powder there that he had. We had uh, proline-rich polypeptides uh, spray, which is a liquid that we utilized to help build his immune system. We started from day one. Mixing it in with breast milk. It was mixed right in. Some of the, I mean, the the I just put the, the, um, the probiotic on the tip of my finger and yeah. just put it in his mouth. Right? So we just – I that's what we did. I started from – you know, well, four hours old, you know, maybe we started building his microbiome because I want this little guy to be the healthiest person that he can be. And I know the importance of 
making sure that his gut is functioning. And, you know, it's it's kind of comical. We have had, you know, we've had other people that have come and, and watched the little guy for various reasons. And we will hear comments from people like, I changed his diaper. I didn't even know that he had gone number two. Yeah, we hear that a lot. That <laughs> Actually, happens a ton. It's just kind of funny. Because it doesn't really smell. And it shouldn't, right? It, as a, if, you have, if you're new to this show, we talk about poop a lot. So congratulations if it's a, if it's your first show listening yeah. to us. And if you have a baby, you probably talk about poop a lot anyway. Yeah, so you talk about poop a lot. New. And, I mean, the comments are, you know, like that. Like, wait, that that doesn't smell. Well, I watched, you know, another kid, and they're, it was terrible. I'm like, well, it has to do with what the baby is eating, and it has to do with with what the uh, with what the what the mom is eating as well. So it has to do with, especially if, if if you're being breastfed. So all of this stuff matters. I mean, I just I gave a lecture here a few days ago um, to a group of people, and we were, we ended up talking about gut function and gut health. And I'm like, you know what? I told him about my son. I'm like, he's he's 14 months old. He has never He's had sugar one day in his life. On his first birthday, he had, well, I don't even know. It's about as healthy of an icing that you could get yeah. on a cake as possible. But it was it was technically sugar. Um, he had that once, and he's never once eaten anything in his life that wasn't organic. And there, the, the room full of people just looked at me like I had three heads. And I'm like, this is how anal I am. I'm like, do I understand that when he goes to school and, you know, he's he's going to eat something that I wouldn't have fed him. It's I know that it's right. going to happen. Right? It it just will. I mean, he's going to his one of his friends is going to bring something that that I wouldn't approve of, but he's going to eat it. And that's okay. That'll happen. Right. But if I when when he's under my roof and I can control what he's eating and Aaron has an input on what this little guy's eating, we're going to do that. Well, and I mean, you know, and I know we're kind of focusing now on kids, but kids are so important. And I think, you know, you can give really give them a leg up on, you know, cognitive performance um, by focusing on these things early. The way that both of us view it is by giving your kids, you know, these snacks, these things that are, aren't 100% healthy when they're really little, that's for the benefit of the parent, not the child. Because let's face it, there's never been a person on the history of the earth that's like, my parents didn't give me enough sweets when I was a year old. You don't even have memory that far back, right? I mean, like, kids don't know. Right. And so when parents are doing this, you know, I mean, would it be easier for me to just go and grab a package and give it to him? Absolutely. Like, it is way more work um, to make sure that we're giving him only whole foods and that everything is organic. And you know, every morning we spend about 35, 40 minutes cooking his food for the day. Yeah. I mean, and it takes a lot of time. And when we go out to eat somewhere, we bring our cooler and we've got his food. And I know that people think it's a little crazy, but we're focusing on it now because we have 100% control. Like TJ said, when he goes to school, I mean, we, no, we're not going to be those crazy parents who are like, he's not allowed to have anything. Like, oh, all we'll the be other, crazy parents. We will. I mean, what's, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we get it, right? Like, we, we don't want, you know, for him to be singled out as the one person who can't have things. But right now, when he's only, you know, I mean, when he's in our house and we have complete control, it makes no sense to me, you know, I mean, his health is completely our responsibility, and we take that responsibility seriously. Yes. Yes, we do. 
And we've got to take a break on that note. You're listening to Wellness 101. You're listening to Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health. For more information, visit them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com or by phone, 314-293-8123. And welcome back to the show. So before the break, we were talking about we were actually talking about our son and uh, what we feed him and why we why are we so ridiculous about making sure that he eats organic and stays. Well, and you say ridiculous. I think it really depends on, um, you know, the people that you're around. We certainly are around people quite a bit who feed their kids the exact same way. Oh, yeah. And then we're around people. I have an office full of them. Yeah. (laughs) And then we're around people who are like, this is insane. But then they'll also say, wow, your kid has never been sick. Like, he didn't have a runny nose all winter. Like, and all of these things that, you know, people think are just normal for kids that we haven't had to deal with. So. Yeah. And we don't have to deal with stinky poop. (laughs) That's the most exciting thing. Um, But no, that's actually right. I, I. it doesn't bother me that I drive to three different stores to get his food. It does. That's just part of it. I so what they don't have it over here. I know that I can go over there and I can grab it there. It's just but, it's you know it's a high priority for us, and we all you know I mean have our things, and this is something that you know through our research we're like we can't you can't unknow it, right? I mean we know how important it is, and so we can't just disregard it and act like well I don't know that, especially when it's something that we're preaching on the radio right Right. i mean it'd be entirely hypocritical and so it it is that important right so the i said before the break that we were going to talk about getting into antibiotics so antibiotics really play havoc on on gut bacteria when when we take them um and so because they dis- destroy, damage, impair gut bacteria, they're also uh, possibly causing cognitive dysfunction. So there's research out there, and a lot of this stuff's in mice, which is fine, um, because mice, you know, animal research kind of shows us where things are, would go in a, in a human. But in mice, antibiotic treatment uh, reduces brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Um, which is it's just abbreviated BDNF. Um, it's a, a neuron growth factor, which ultimately causes cognitive impairment. Right, so we're slowing down the stuff, the substance that's in our brain, to help our neurons stay healthy and grow. We're cutting that down. Of of course, it makes perfect sense that you're going to have a, a, a decrease in in cognitive function that you're going to impair the brain's ability to operate. Now, there is no real way to know. Um, I don't think they, the research shows it by any means. Whether that that type of effect happens in a human, but it doesn't change the fact that if it's happening in mice, it's just common sense that it's possible that taking a lot of antibiotics could do the same thing in a human. So why... Uh, why do we want to run and grab an antibiotic for everything? I mean, my gosh, we have people. I, one of the questions I ask is, do you take a lot of antibiotics? And people will look at me and say, no, not a lot. I'm like, what do you define a lot? How many times per year would you take antibiotics? I literally had someone tell me, oh, eight or nine. And that's not a lot to them. 
Right. That's mind boggling. Well, and I mean, and we've talked about this before, but we're fans of antibiotics. I mean, antibiotics are a huge medical breakthrough, right? I mean, in 1900. Right. I mean, but they are are really important when you need them. Yeah, for sure. There is. So we're not against antibiotics. We're against the overuse of antibiotics. And I. I see that a lot. I mean, here we're talking about, you know, what we feed our son. Antibiotics are a huge thing. I mean, he's, of course, never had antibiotics. But I think I see this a lot, you know, with my own friends who are like they get frustrated if their doctor doesn't give their kid an antibiotic. They're like, he has a fever. He obviously needs an antibiotic. And, you know, I think, you know, conventional medical doctors, you know, these pediatricians are in a difficult position, too, because this all of this research is coming out about the the long-term implications of antibiotic use. And so they're trying to curb it. But then on the other hand, they have these parents who are adamant that that's what they need. And they get really upset when they don't, when their child isn't given an antibiotic. So it's, I mean, it's a difficult position to be in, but it, we know that it affects, you know, adults and we know that it affects kids and kids just have a longer way to go that those, you know, effects are going to take place. So it's really important to not use an antibiotic unless it's 100% absolutely necessary. Very well said. Mm-hmm. I, there are a lot of, I mean, every year there, there are medical organizations that send out letters that say, hey, you know what, don't, don't write prescriptions for antibiotics for kids with earaches because they're viral in nature. But yet tons of people end up with, with earaches and they get an antibiotic for it. And, I mean, it's just... Right. Or they get frustrated at their doctor because they have an earache and they didn't get an antibiotic. So, I mean, I I get it from the, you know, conventional medical doctor's perspective of I'm losing patients if I don't write the prescription. But it's yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be frustrating because. But, but he, as 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 more and more patients become aware because of people like us and, and others like us that are spreading the, the real information, they're losing patients anyway, right? Because they're tired of their walking in and their doctor say having already having written a a, a prescription on a pad. I mean, we, I've seen it firsthand. I went with a friend to a doctor's visit, and because they just wanted someone there, and honestly, talked to whoever came in nurse, nurse practitioner, PA. I don't know who came in first. They didn't really identify themselves. Talked to the talked to them and told them what was going on. Told them all the symptoms. Went through the whole history. And then the doctor walked in. This guy, bless his heart, didn't do anything. He sat down and looked looked at my friend and then decided to to listen to the heart and lungs. Maybe lungs. I know heart for sure. Um, I don't remember on the lungs. And then said, "Well, I think you know we'll write you a prescription for whatever." And I just I was baffled because he had already written. He flipped. if you want your doctor to like you, don't take TJ to your appointment with you. Yeah, it gets ugly <laughs> in a hurry. <laughs> Why well, say that? And we, I mean, all, all the doctors, you know, anyone we've seen with our son has been oh, absolutely amazing. amazing. Um, and even though I know that we're probably difficult, and but what's sad is this guy flipped over his pad, his prescription pad, and just tore off the top sheet. He never pulled out a pen. He already had the prescription written before entering into the office. That's just sheer laziness. I mean, at least wait until you've t- 
talk to the person. It isn't going to change. I mean, I think that's what, you know. But I don't think people realize that that actually happens. I saw it with my own eyes. Yeah, but even if he'd written in front of the patient, he already knew what he was going to do. True. I mean, he already did. But, you know, I mean, mean, we hear that all the time. Like, why didn't my doctor run this test? Because your doctor wouldn't know what to do with it. It wouldn't change what they're going to be able to do for you because they already know what they're going to be able to do for you. They have a very set, you know, amount of things that they're going to be able to offer you. So the testing wouldn't have done any, you know, good for them. That is that is true. Aaron's over here speaking truth today. Mm -hmm. Um, So back to the whole brain cognitive function after getting on a soapbox a little bit there, you know, things that that we can do antibiotics are are causing damage causing problems but things that we can do is we can we can improve gut function we can get away from the standard american diet that the standard american diet fried food you know crap yeah hyper palatable sugary processed foods yeah it's um, just that terrible. we know cause cause alterations in brain function and so promote so, cognitive impairment. Sorry, yeah, I just keep going. No, it's okay. <laughs> the list is long. I, I had already had the thought in my head. <laughs> the list is plentiful. So all the, the standard American diet is just terrible. And so by just changing and go, getting away from that, stopping, stopping the sugary foods and the highly processed foods, that's how you can start to do this. When, when we consume a standard American diet, we change the plasticity of the synapse, which is the, how the nerves are connected to each other and how they communicate with each other. And when that plasticity goes down, we lose cognitive function. We decrease our ability to learn. We decrease our memory, right? And things like this, they occur completely independent of how big you are, how, you know, obesity. People say, oh, it's, it's obesity, a standard American diet, obese. This, these are completely different. You don't have to be obese eating the standard American diet to have these issues. Yes, and that's so important, again, when we talk about children, because people are feeding their children these things, and they're like, they're not overweight, they're clearly healthy. And no, they're not healthy. It's totally affecting their ability to function cognitively. I mean, it is. We know right. it is. The research tells us that it is. All right, we got to take another break. When we come back, we're going to finish up on on this topic. I, this is a this is kind of a hot button topic for me. So, um, we'll be back to talk more about brain function and um, gut health. You're listening to Wellness 101. You're listening to Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health. For more information, visit them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com or by phone 314-293-8123. So if you if you've missed the show today, um, we've been talking about uh, brain function and optimizing brain function and how the gut brain connection um, takes place and and what's going on with that. So before the break, we were we were talking about the standard American diet and how pitiful the standard American diet is and how it just destroys and decimates your gut microbiome, but. Just changing that, just not following a standard American diet, eating better can have a have a positive impact on you. Right. And 
eating better. I mean, we're really talking about whole foods here, right? I mean, where I yes. think a lot of people are not, you know, I mean, yeah. we still have people that come in and they're like, I get, you know, I order off like the low calorie menu. And we're just like, okay, if you're ordering off a menu, you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be, I mean, a lot of this comes down to personal responsibility. And I know that we harp a lot on diet, but it's because diet is so important and diet is something that you can change. You don't have to come and see us for, right? Because all of the time we have, well, I'd like to make a change, but I can't afford right now to come and see somebody. Well, that's why we do the radio show. That's why we're putting this information out there. There's so many functional medicine practitioners who, you know, require you to come and see them to give you these lifestyle changes. And we're like, you know what, whatever we can give people for free, Let's just give them the information because our whole goal is to help as many people as we can. And I get that not everybody can make it into the office. Wait, our goal is not world domination? <laughs> a little of both, right? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> it's combined. <laughs> just, just clarifying. <laughs> um, no, that's that's actually correct. I mean, you're going to have to go buy groceries anyway. You might as well buy the right well, ones. Well, you should be. I mean, if you don't have – if you're not buying groceries, <laughs> if you're only eating out – well, we, we we need to make some big changes. Yeah. But I mean, a lot you of, might need to call us. <laughs> <laughs> then you probably already have some problems and you're going to have to come and see us. But I mean, we hear this all the time when people are like, I, you know, like, do you eat fast food? Well, like not more than a few times a week. It's like, OK, let's start there. I mean, because I know we get frustrated when we get these, you know, questions about, well, should I be taking this, you know, like calcium supplement or like this herbal supplement? And we're just like, OK. Like, for anyone listening out there, start with the basics. How is your diet? Because if you're eating, you know, fast food on a regular basis or, you know, I mean, you're craving carbs all of the time, um, you know, or really craving sugar or, you know, you're addicted to caffeine, like all of those things. I mean, those are the basics. Like, start there. Don't worry about, you know, your supplement intake. You're, until you get your diet under control, your gut is going to be so messed up, the supplements aren't going to do you that much good anyway. Right, Right. Exactly. I mean, unfortunately, that's the case, and that's what, you know, a lot of people won't tell you, but we're telling you that so that you can do whatever, you know, you're able to on your own at home. It doesn't have to be that complicated. I think we try to make it complicated because if it's complicated, then we don't have to take the personal responsibility to actually fix it, Right. We're like, well, it's too much to figure out. Like, I'm not sure. Like, should I be taking, you know, this B vitamin or this B vitamin or, you know, like what form? And it's just like qu- quit going to McDonald's. Like, let's start at step one. Um, And I know I'm kind of getting up on my soapbox it's, here. It's but okay. it, uh, it gets frustrating. And I know and it's not just that it's it's frustrating you know, on our end, I know that it's frustrating for the people who are going through that because you feel like you're trying really hard and you're not making progress. Always start with the basics. I mean, that's always go back to diet first and then we'll figure out, you know, okay, are there other things going on? But that's something that everyone has control over. Yes. Everyone has control over. And so there was a study done at the University of Illinois my alma mater. I'm so excited about it. They looked at patterns of nutrient biomarkers in um, healthy adults, right? And this is blood work they were they were measuring, and they were examining the association between nutrition and cognition. And what they found was that the participants of the study who had um, 
patterns of nutrient biomarkers that were associated with a plant-rich whole food diet, right? So getting lots of lots of uh, fruits and vegetables and lots of whole actual whole food demonstrated better network efficiency, which is a measure of cognitive uh, function. And they showed better performance on cognitive function tests compared to those with low nutrient um, biomarker patterns or biomarker patterns that indicated a an unhealthy diet. That's impressive. Like that just goes to show you how big of an impact the diet has on brain function. I mean, when you're able to do a research study and show just from some generic blood biomarkers that they're showing a difference, this is huge. This is a this is a massive I don't and this is what's frustrating is this doesn't make, you know, the the headlines of the news. This doesn't even make a news cycle. This was buried somewhere that we dug out and found to to let people know. Right? Probably the first time the research has been read outside of the people <laughs> I feel that like wrote that a it. lot. A lot of times when I'm reading <laughs> research articles or I'm finding grammatical mistakes and I'm like I don't think anyone else has ever read this. Yeah. I think I'm the first person who's actually read this whole thing. It's, it's comical. <laughs> so, what you what what you can do is, is we we talk about micronutrients, micronutrients, and macronutrients. And macronutrients are like carbs, proteins, fats. Micronutrients are your vitamins and minerals, right? So we're talking about macronutrients here. Find a ratio of those that works for you. Everybody is going to be different in what works for you. Some people go on a very high-fat, ketogenic type of diet, and their brain function just skyrockets. They feel sharp. They feel energized. They feel great. But other people may not, right? And there are some there are some research articles out there that demonstrate that a ketogenic diet improves memory and, and mild cognitive impairment. Probably because it's increasing fat in people who haven't had enough fat in their diet um, because of the the whole low-fat diet craze. But on the flip side of that, if you've been on a, on a low-carb diet or a ketogenic diet and you've watched your function memory function go down, your memory is declining and your mood is going down, your focus is going down, you might need to add more carbohydrate back into your diet. Right, some very nutrient dense carbs can help the brain produce glucose, which is its it the the brain can utilize um, glucose or ketones, which is the ketogenic diet causes the body to produce ketones. Your brain can use both as fuel. Its preferred source is always glucose, and so sometimes people they need to increase carb intake. I think we actually did a show on do you need to increase your carbs? Yes, because we've seen that a lot with people yeah. coming in, and their carb intake is way too low. It's way too low, and so for them, that's not the case with everyone. Everyone is so vastly different, and so by increasing their carbs, they're able to increase increase their their brain function, and it. They just it's an almost an instantaneous, ah, I feel better. Right? They they'll even call us and be like, Hey, you know what? I I I took your advice, I increased my carb intake a little bit and it's made a huge difference. Yeah. Normally people can tell right away in the way that they feel, um, you know, in the way that their brain is functioning. But um, you know, I know that going over the macronutrients uh again is 
one step beyond just fixing your diet in general, right? right? Like make sure that you're not eating stuff that you know is horrible for you before you start worrying about your macronutrients. Right. And the key is just keeping your blood sugar stable. That's the that's the piece that that is important. That's about all the time we've got for today. Um, if you want more information about us, please visit our website, theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. Um, call us, 314-293-8123. Uh, follow us on social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, etc. We do podcast our show, so go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, um, shoot us emails. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got any suggestions, we're, we're welcome to that. So that's all for today. For Aaron, I'm Dr. TJ. This has been Wellness 101. Thanks for listening. Wellness 101 has been brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health, your destination for functional medicine in St. Louis. For more information, visit them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com or by phone 314-293-8123. Come a little closer. There's something